Attention bourbon lovers, are you ready for a taste sensation like no other? Old Raleigh Distillery, recently awarded Best Micro Distillery in the U.S., invites you to experience the art of whiskey blending firsthand. Located just east of Raleigh in downtown Zebulon, the distillery specializes in premium, micro-batch bourbon, and limited-release whiskeys. Visit the tasting room Tuesday through Sunday to savor a wide variety of whiskeys, specialty cocktails, wine, and beer. And don't miss a chance to peek behind the curtain with a tour of the blending operation every Saturday and Sunday at 1 and 2 p.m. For more information and to plan your visit, visit OldRaleighDistillery.com. Follow on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Old Raleigh Distillery for exclusive updates and behind-the-scenes content. Old Raleigh Distillery, where every sip tells a story. Hey, Raleighites. We're taking a quick break this week so we can share another podcast based in Raleigh. Connect Raleigh is hosted by Chuck Belden, and on this episode, he interviewed my friend David Meeker, partner at Carpenter Development and Trophy Brewing. We hope you enjoy it, and we'll be back in your feed next week for a new episode of Office Talk with Raleigh Magazine. Welcome to the Connect Raleigh podcast, where you hear the stories, the people, and the places that make Raleigh, North Carolina the best place to live. As one of the most connected people in town, real estate and networking expert Chuck Belden leverages his connections to introduce you to all the reasons why Raleigh is one of the fastest growing areas in the country. If you've lived in Raleigh for years or are thinking of moving here, this podcast is for you. It's local, it's authentic, and it's time to connect you with your host, Chuck Belden. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Um, today's guest is David Meeker. David and I bumped into, we've known each other kind of on and off a little bit, acquaintance, acquaintances over the years, but we bumped into each other uh, a couple months ago working out at Metabolic. You know, just so you can get an idea of who David is, he's a, he's a Raleigh native, which is becoming harder and harder to spot these days with so many people moving to town. He founded Carpenter Development, and partnered with the Trophy Brewing team in 2008 to open Trophy Brewing, and then you know Young Hearts, as I as I mentioned earlier, um, he says he's made every mistake in the world, and he's lived to tell about it, and he's got invaluable development experience because of that. Um, he is super involved in the Raleigh community. He's on the board of the Raleigh Chamber, the Downtown Raleigh Alliance. Common Cause North Carolina, North Carolinians for redistricting reform. Dix Park, Dogwood Bank Advisory Board, and Art Space, and all of these have a major focus on building community in Raleigh. He's also on the Capital Campaign Committee for Healing Transitions, a detox and recovery center on Dix Park. Um, he lives in downtown with his wife and his two boys, and we just have a wonderful conversation, and I'm excited to bring it to you. So without further ado, let's jump in. Let's jump right in with David. One, welcome to the podcast, but two, I don't claim to be the best interview or, um, or probably interviewee. And so I just, if we just have a conversation, let's just see where it flows. Yeah, man. So thanks for being here, David. Glad to be here. Yeah, I appreciate it. So let's jump right into a uh, conversation and I want to learn more about you. You know, it was fun to catch up briefly at Metabolic the other day and, uh, and to see you kicking my ass in the, in the gym. (laughs) I was like, all right, there he is. There he is again. I definitely was not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you were. But I was like, let's talk. You know, I, 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 
I've followed a bit of your journey. I know some of the, the businesses you're part of, and I follow you on Twitter. Yep. And um, I know you're very active in Raleigh, and I thought, what a fantastic person to have a conversation with. So thanks for taking the time to do it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah, so you, you grew up in this area, right? You're, you're originally from here? and Yeah, so I grew up on Boylan Avenue and Boylan Heights, and my dad still lives there, and we live ever in like the Oakwood, Mordecai area now, so I haven't gone far. Yeah. I did go away to college. I went to Houston, um, Texas for school, so I got out of town for a few years. What's, was that Baylor? I no. went to Rice. Rice, Rice. Where's Baylor? Baylor is in... Uh, Baylor is about an hour outside yeah. of um, Houston. Um, but Rice is right in downtown Houston, and so go to a big city, sort of do everything you want to do there. Um, and then um, was thinking about staying in Houston, but there's so much uh, there's so much going on in Raleigh, even 16, 17 years ago. Um, and so decided to come back, and clearly, you know, even more is going on now. So. Yeah, um, I'm glad you came back. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Me too. Good decision. <laughs> yeah, and married, and two little ones these days. Yeah, so married, uh, two boys, four and a half, and three. How's and that? How's that? <laughs> so it was, it's interesting. It's great now. Yeah. We're having a good time, and it's mostly positive and fun. Um, the first couple of years uh, were really hard. Um, just. I think it's just the sleep thing. Yes. Um, and even once they're sleeping through the night, most nights they're not sleeping through. Like every fifth night would be hard. And I was just surprised at how much that threw me off. And so um, since the younger one turned two, so now 18 months, uh, we've been sleeping great. And, uh, and we're through the weeds and it's all positive now. It's funny. We, my wife and I, I was just telling you before we started recording that we were just in Mexico for five days. And the first night I slept for... I think it was 11 and a half hours. Wow. And I have not had that much sleep in eight years. My daughter's going to be eight in October. Yep. And it was life-changing. Like to all of a sudden get that sleep again and just feel rejuvenated and have, you know, attack the day with a clear mind again. I was like, holy smokes, I've been going through this for a long time. Yeah. It was nice to kind of get that rest That's and awesome. recovery. That's awesome. Yeah, a couple of years before I had kids, um, I sort of zeroed in on how important sleep was. Read a few books, just sort of noticed from my own behavior and had a great sleep routine. Uh, and then I had kids and I'm like, wow, this is like terrible for your body, for, you know, your think clear thinking. Um, and there's just no way around it. You literally have to get up or your kids won't, won't make it, especially when they're really young. And so, um, yeah, it really threw me off, but I'm out of it now. So. Yeah. My, so what we're, we're at right now is my daughter is she's easy peasy. She, mm -hmm. she goes to bed on her own. We tuck her in, we do stories, but she's pretty easy to go to sleep. She wakes up on her own. She can even get up and make breakfast. She can do all the things she needs to do. Awesome. My son for the last, I mean, I don't even know. I think two years, a year and a half at least has been waking up every morning about five fifteen, maybe mm -hmm. five thirty, And then he's, he's just up. And, wow. and he comes in and he wakes us up and we, and we get him back in his room a little bit and he can play and calm down, but he's just exhausted for the rest of the day. But something happens in our neighborhood or in his body at 515 where he's ready to go. Yeah. He's just up and at him. Yeah, that's too early. Way too early. <laughs> I don't mind getting up at like I get up, try to get up between 530 and six and just have some quiet time to myself and, 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 you know, meditate for lack of a better word and just kind of center myself before the, all the other stuff happens. Yeah. But when he gets up before me, it's all out the window. I know. And that, that quiet time is so important. And uh, I, I know what you're dealing with because we deal with that once a week. But every day would just kill me. Yeah, so, it's brutal. Yeah, that's uh, not ideal. Well, hopefully he gets back. Maybe his grandparents got him on track because he spent the last five days with them. And so hopefully, hopefully he's back on track. Yep. But, um, I mean, so when you were growing up, I mean, at least when I moved here, let's back up. So when I moved, I moved here in 2007. When I moved here in 2007 from Baltimore... Um, 
your dad was mayor at the time, I believe. Yeah. Is that right? So he won in 2001. Okay. Um, barely won. So there, in the general election, there were three folks running, and he was set in second place, but neither of them got um, over 50%. So there was a runoff. Oh. And enough of the third place voters came out and voted for dad, and he literally won like 50.2. No kidding. Barely won. Um, in his first couple years, um, there was a, almost a recall election against him um, because he's not a big road guy. He's more of a transit guy. And he was sort of thinking about diverting some funds from 540 into downtown transit. Um, and so there was a recall election against him. The vote never actually happened. They didn't get that far. Wow. But similar to today's times, there was sort of a campaign around it. Um, he, in 2003, he won still pretty close. 54, you know, 46, and then he was sort of off to the races. Yeah. Um, the next three elections were really easy, and at the end, he didn't have opponents. Um, and so, and that's it, the part I remember. Yeah, being yeah. Here. So that's the part I remember. And that's the part most people remember. It's interesting how people really forget, um, you know, the hard years and really remember the last few sort of golden years. Uh, and then he was planning not to run in 07, 08, and then recession hits, and he's sort of like, let me stick it out and make sure we get through this and. And then didn't run in 2011. But he was mayor for 10 years, which is a long run. How did that affect you? I mean, you're very active in the community. Do, is that, do you think that that came from that? Or was that always in you from before? Yeah, so two things. Uh, one is, when he first won, I was 17 in high school. And even then, I was sort of conscious of not embarrassing him. Yeah, uh, you know, we were Smart, friends, yeah. and I'm just like, I, I don't want to get in trouble around him. Um, so that was why I went away to school. I went to college in Houston. Oh, applied really? Applied to a few schools out of town and a few in, in town, too. Um, but once I got into Rice, I was sort of like, all right, I'm, I'm getting out of here so I can go have some fun without getting my dad in trouble, you know? Smart. So, yeah. Look how self-aware you were at 17. <laughs> I, I mean, that was clear, my clear thing. I mean, I, I was also thinking about how much fun I could have, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I didn't want to get him in trouble. And then, um, and then coming back, you know, absolutely. So he was an attorney. Um, you know, most of the time did mayor as a part-time thing. Um, but, you know, he devoted 15 or 20 hours a week to the community um, when he could have been making money during that time. And he's sort of like, no, um, this is important to me. And when I get older, this is what I'm going to remember and whatever. And that really has had an impact on me. And my mom was the same way, sort of same thinking. Um, and so I've tried to devote some time of my life or of every week um, to community stuff and it's not about making money it's not about um, myself it's about the community and and um, I definitely got that from them yeah do you do, is anything like that in the future and the cards for you you know I think it's hard for politicians kids to get into politics because they've seen it up front and seen how hard it is it's almost like you know too much yeah you've um, seen behind the curtain yeah and also I saw how hard it was when Raleigh was a small town um, and now Raleigh's even bigger, and I think being a politician's even harder now than even when he was mayor. Um, and so, um, so I don't think so. Um, but I do like want to, you know, I know what politicians deal with, and if there's a role to support um, politicians who are doing great community work, and um, you know, maybe provide cover for them. You know, if the business community comes in and supports them when they do big things, you know, I sort of see a role, and that yeah. was really helpful to dad so I'm more likely to see that type of role than than running but um, yeah it's, it's just so hard and I and unfortunately I know it yeah. <laughs> a local icon since 1949 and where Raleigh comes to celebrate savor and enjoy 
Village District is celebrating 75 years of tradition and taste. You can join the celebration for their 75th anniversary on Saturday, April 20th from 3 to 8 p.m. on Woodburn Road. Enjoy live music, pop-ups, a kid-friendly area, and the launch of their Village 75 beer, exclusively brewed by Standard Beer and Food. For more event details and other Village District happenings, you can follow Village District on Instagram at shopvillagedistrict, visit their website at shopvillagedistrict.com, or sign up to receive texts by texting the word VILLAGE to 919-701-0202. What, what, what are some of the changes you've seen over the years living here for as long as you've lived here? Yeah, so just the Maybe big, good and bad. Yeah, so the, the big one was just downtown. I mean, it was really sleepy. Um, people were here 9 to 5. And once a week, there was a Thursday night music series, and people would come down for that. But other than that, you didn't come down on the weekends. Um, Fayetteville Street was a mall. There were no stores were open. There was just nobody here. Um, so that's been the big change, um, and that's the most exciting. And then, you know, Raleigh was not, like, the second tier on the list of second-tier cities like it is now. Clearly, we're now on the list, like Austin, Denver, Portland, whatever. Um, and, and that's just... A game changer for us yeah. and there are negatives of that you know traffic housing prices whatever um, but generally I think that's a really positive thing growth um, you know I'm a big uh, pedestrian bike person um, having more dense communities that people can don't need a car for um, and it's sort of a greener way to grow grow up instead of growing out um, that really excites mm-hmm. me and, and so I'm excited about what's happening although Nothing's always, nothing's ever 100% positive. That's right. So. When I first moved here, it was, it was March of 07. Yeah. And I came here from Baltimore. I had a short two-year stay in Baltimore. Um, before that, it was Colorado. So Colorado to ba- Vail, Colorado to Baltimore, big change. Yeah. Almost too big of a change for me. And so then I had the opportunity to move to, I think it was, uh, the company I was with, we were expanding. I was part of a hospitality company, and we were yeah. expanding to, if I remember correctly, I think it was Columbus, Ohio into Raleigh and I'd never been to either place and and I was going to be the GM of the place we were opening and they said you know which place do you want to go to and I I said I'm not going to Ohio nothing against Ohio but I grew up in the snow in the north and I wanted to get away from that I'd never been to Raleigh so I chose Raleigh and I came here just me and my dog knew nobody and that's a lie I knew one person from high school who was a year or two behind me that lived down here and we connected once I got here but other than that I didn't know anybody and I remember coming down and it was sleepy down here I think it was coming out of that Fayetteville Street I don't know if it had opened at that point yet or it was kind of in process but um, I wasn't in real estate at the time I had a real estate agent that was referred to me to help 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 me find a place and she hadn't been downtown in probably 30 years she was a bit older and when she asked me, where do I want to live, coming from living in downtown Baltimore, I said, I want to live in downtown Raleigh. And she said, no, sweetie, you'll get killed down there. <laughs> and I was like, what? I'm like, even I knew you're not supposed to say that as a real estate agent, right. not even being in real estate. But who says that anyways? And I was like, well, when's the last time you were there? And she's like, well, I grew up down there, but I haven't been down there in probably 25 years. I'm like, well, wow. then what do you know? And that was never the case. We did move downtown. We moved over to... Uh, Woodcrest over there by Mordecai um, and absolutely loved it and now pretty much we built businesses down here we started our family down here absolutely love it never never once felt unsafe right right but that was the perception she had back then yeah it's amazing and so yeah growing up here I had friends um, parents who wouldn't let them go across the Boylan Avenue bridge 
Boylan Heights was not unsafe, but there were a lot of rental places, a lot of rooming houses with a lot of, you know, fun characters. Yeah. And, uh, and that was sort of the reputation and parents wouldn't come. And we just would always laugh. Like if you actually came here, you know, you know, know. It's, it's nothing wrong. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a big downtown guy and you just can't beat the energy. No. Um, you know, during the pandemic, uh, you know, we're all sort of working from home or even if you were coming in, there was less here. And it, that really, you know, I felt that, you know, I didn't, I wasn't down on Fayetteville Street. I wasn't passing people on the sidewalk. I wasn't going to lunch with folks. And, I, you know, missing that energy is hard. And once yeah. you experience it, um, it's really hard to leave. And I know that because companies who've been downtown move out to the suburbs and you talk to the people and they're like, this is terrible. Yeah. You know, I need to get back downtown. It's so much more fun. Yeah. So, so I think you have an interesting or unique perspective maybe, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, you're a business owner. You own businesses in downtown Raleigh and you also are a landlord and you own buildings and you have tenants, I would imagine, or, yep. or okay. And so the pandemic probably, I mean, you've got a unique perspective being a tenant and a landlord yeah right yeah. what was that like for you yeah let me hit both of them so yeah. i'm involved i'm a partner in trophy brewing okay. and um so we have three or four locations for now with the distillery that just opened on wilmington street um and then i'm a landlord and we have six or eight projects um all close to downtown a couple right in downtown and then the others within a mile initially in 2020 first six eight months everything was impacted um clearly trophy was impacted with no indoor dining um, you know, sales decreasing. Um, we did get PPP round one and two. Um, incredibly helpful, wouldn't have survived without it. But there was um, sort of a gap between round one and two when we didn't know round two was coming. Um, and that was an incredibly stressful period. Yeah. Um, how are you gonna, you know, we, we don't, we're running out of money. There's no, you know, round two coming. You know, the pandemic's not ending. You know, what do we do? Um, so that's one side. The other side is the landlord side. So we have tenants who are either retail or restaurant folks who are clearly impacted. Um, we didn't want to lose our tenants um, long term by being um, bad landlords or landlords who forced tenants to pay rent during the pandemic when they couldn't do any business. I was really worried about that. If we charge rent during the pandemic, not only does that not feel good, but I think that's a bad business decision because they'll leave. Yeah. And then we won't have a tenant. For it seems short term, yeah. like short sighted. Yeah. So on the landlord front, the solution was easier, not not easy, but easier in that I went to the banks and sort of said, let's look at this like a construction year. I'll ask our tenants to do some work on their space and improve it in exchange for not charging rent. Um, and you, if, if the bank is willing to um, do interest only and maybe even add the interest on to the loan. So I'll come out with a little more debt, but I'll have tenants who stay there for 10 or 15 more years. And possibly a, an improved place a bit. Exactly. Okay. And so that really works. Yeah. Campbell University School of Law offers a wholly online or in-person two-semester patent law certificate program designed for technology executives, engineers, paralegals, and more. The deadline to apply for the patent law certificate program is August 1st, Learn more and apply at law.campbell.edu. So you're really involved in a number of different organizations, many if not all, in downtown. Yep. I think. Um, what are some of those things that you're, you're that are, you're passionate about, and some of those organizations that you contribute your time to? Yeah. So I'm on the chamber board as sort of this, one of the small business representatives. 
the chamber is doing a whole bunch of equity work now and we're working on a few projects like the fare free bus service um and so i've gotten really excited about that yeah talk to me about that i know you're passionate about that yeah okay so fare free bus service so yeah. um, that that happened during covid just to keep people mo- keep down here and moving right Getting yeah more- so we started the campaign before covid so um this is sort of a national thing fare free transit the idea is that most of the folks riding the bus in cities like raleigh are folks who can't afford a car and are making low or, or at low paid um, low wage jobs so why are we charging them 225 a day to get to and from work and go where they're going to work to work a $10 an hour job um, when we could be giving it to them for free um, for a very small amount of money and then also we get all these other benefits so what are the other benefits um, the um, the the time it takes for people to pay to get on the bus slows down the bus system. Literally 30 seconds per stop as people are getting on. So the bus system moves much faster when people don't have to pay. Two, more folks will ride the bus when it's fare free and we're not in a pandemic um, because there's less barrier to entry. Currently, you have to have $1.25 per ride or $2.25 per day to get on a bus. Who has $2.25 in their um, pocket? Nobody. Anymore. Nobody. Uh, so there's less barrier to entry. Once you ride the bus, which I've started doing now, you'll find out how convenient it is. So you get on first because it's free and it's easy. Then you're like, wow, this is way better. My parking spot downtown is on the ninth floor of the parking deck. It's really nice not to have to drive up nine floors to the That's parking right. deck. Um, and then, uh, and then there's this, you know, um, you get this positive momentum cycle. More people ride the bus, less people on the roads. For the people on the roads, there's less congestion. We're a greener city because, you know, there are more people riding the bus. That's marketable. Um, but really the big deal is the equity piece and, and the pandemic really shined a light on that. You know, our essential workers were the only people riding the bus during a pandemic. Our essential workers who don't have a car and our council sort of picked up on that and made it fare free. Um, and they're trying to keep it fare free long term. And the question is where the money comes from. Yeah. It actually is not a huge amount of money. Um, the fare makes up about $3 million of the $20 million bus um, budget. The fares in 2018, this is. Um, it costs about 40% of the fare to collect the fare. So you have to pay people uh, to collect the yeah. fare. So now you're down from $3 million to $1.8 um, And it's basically you know this equity play where you're giving folks who, um, who the only option is to ride the bus $50 a month or $600 a year, um, you know, back because they don't have to pay. So now you're, you know, your folks who are struggling the most have a little more money. That's a win for everybody. Um, and so, so hopefully we can keep it uh, fare free forever and we're working on that. And then there are all these other benefits. We have all these colleges, um, you know, all the students um, could ride the bus instead of bringing cars to town. Nonprofits, some of the best nonprofits in town. One of their expense budget line items is paying for their um, clients to ride the bus. Okay. Healing transitions, um, it's tens of thousands of dollars a year out of their budget to pay for people to ride the bus. So now you've given all these nonprofits money back. Um, so it's a huge positive. And we're lucky to live in a city where our chamber cares about that kind of thing. A lot of chambers are not involved with the equity movement. Um, and our chamber is one of the leaders of it. And so it's, um, it's wonderful to see the business community stepping up. 
So what's going to happen? How do we keep this thing moving forward? What do we need to do? Yeah, so really we need to provide cover to the city council to do it. So they've done it through June 30, 2022. And and they did that with CARES Act money. They sort of connected the dots. And the question is, where does it come from long term? Is it a tiny property tax increase? Does it come from some other, um, you know, car fee or something? Um, and they're trying to figure that out. And so it's really the business community needs to provide cover to the council to do stuff. Yeah. Nonprofits are pushing it. The colleges are pushing it. Uh, but the business community is kind of seen as the center. And, uh, and when we get behind something, the council is much more likely to see it as a safe thing to do. Yeah, for sure. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. What other organizations are you part of other than the chamber? So downtown rally Alliance yeah. and our big goal now is to get downtown back to where it was. Um, they're working really hard on that. Um, and how far off are we? Is it mostly the workers that just haven't come back yet? I mean, so the re- it's all three things. It's, all- it's, it's workers, conventions and weddings. Okay. Workers, conventions, weddings. Yeah. So the residents are here and yep. have been here. Um, and so we're the workers, um, I think Highwood said they're at 30%, um, of workers are wow. back to only 30%. I didn't think it was that low. Yeah. I mean, it's better than 20% where we were a few months ago. For but, sure. But it's, uh, it's, yeah, I'm no math whiz, but 30 sounds better than 20. <laughs> um, and it and really like the big ones are like Red Hat and Citrix, like they're not coming at all. Yeah. And so you have empty buildings. Um, and so, but conventions, they started to have a few, I think a few are still going on, but a lot are being canceled again. And then weddings, you know, have, um, all been pushed off or they're doing smaller weddings and, um, or they're doing them outside at the beach instead of, you know, inside in downtown Raleigh. So, so we need them all to come back. And the question is how long, you know, um, you know, until it comes back, my gut is unfortunately, um, it's going to be like March 1st before we're really cranking at 100%. I do think this fall, from a virus standpoint, um, we'll be doing better, but it takes a while for people to plan these things. Yeah, for sure. And so, and, and a lot like Red Hat, I think their comeback date has already put, been pushed to January 1st. So, so unfortunately, you know, I think it'll be next spring, but next spring will be great downtown. Yeah, <laughs> I'm ready. Yeah, yeah. I'm ready. I'm looking forward to spring. I think as far as the real estate side goes, too, I think we've seen some people, because they can work from home, because they're schooling from home, they're, they've rethought where they live. And I think that downtown struggled a little bit in the real estate side of things for a little while. And I'm hoping that that turns quickly. I know some condos have been on the market longer than they had in the past. Um, and people were, you know, maybe moving out into the burbs a little bit more than they were yep. in the last couple of years. But I do believe that, I mean, Raleigh is too strong, has too many things going on. It's such a beautiful place to live. Yep. And it's such an amazing opportunity to live in all of this energy that I think that that's not going to last too long either. Yeah. Yeah. I hope you're right. And I think with condos, at least there's a supply issue and that they're not building that many yeah. new condos. So if nothing else, just limited supply will help it out. That's right. Um, but yeah, I mean... So I have a good friend who's a CEO of a tech company, and during the pandemic, he moved down to his rightful beach house. Um, You know, it makes sense. Everybody was working remotely. Why not um, work at the beach? Um, Well, Death and Taxes, Death and Taxes, the restaurant, Ashley Christensen's restaurant, when they reopened, um, about two weeks after they reopened, he's like, okay. I think I got to get back to Raleigh because I missed that. I got to I missed the restaurant. And, uh, and that sort of resonated with me. And I think a lot of people would be like that. Like once there's the opportunity to come back and, and be in the energy, folks will come back. Will they come back, you know, five days a week? Maybe not, but two or three days a week. And if people are out those two or three days, I think, you know, 
I think that'll be enough. Yeah. Other than uh, fare-free transit, what do you think are some other silver linings that are going to come from the, the struggles we've had for the past year and a half? Yeah. So, you know, I'm, my view is so like on the street, um, um, you know, sort of pounding the pavement. I think the big one is these parklets that restaurants have been able to open. Yeah, those are fantastic. Yeah, yeah. so so many restaurants weren't able to have um, outdoor seating or not much of it just because the sidewalk's not wide and you got to leave space for wheelchairs to get through, et cetera. So being able to use these parking spots for um, for outdoor dining has been incredible. If they're able to stay longer, people will invest even more in them to make them more fun and feel even more protected from the street. And I think the council sort of zeroed in on that as a, as a big win. Um, so, so yeah, that's a good one. The other thing is I think, um, people are, you know, really realizing their patios are going to be a big part of their business for a long time. So the patio game in downtown has gotten so much, yeah, so much better. And it was already pretty strong, but it's gotten better. Yeah, it has. And, and, uh, and hopefully things like roof decks and things like that sort of come from this, but, but I, but I just love the parklets, um, and, uh, and I hope they stay forever. Yeah. So what's a typical day look like in your life as far as work and family and just being here in the city? What's, what's it look like for you? Yeah. So I try and do the mornings with the kids, um, so that I don't have to pick them up from daycare. Yeah. So I drop them off and then I st- start work maybe 8 AM, 8 30. Um, and then I'm sort of downtown in it, um, either in meetings or on calls most of the day. Uh, and then, you know, I finish up a little later cause I don't have to pick up the kids at daycare. So finish up at not that late six or something. And then, uh, and then I'm home by six fifteen or six thirty most nights, uh, before the pandemic, I was doing events at the restaurants, uh, which I really enjoy, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, either what type know, of events, you know, um, nonprofit yep. political events, fundraisers for folks, or just, you know, um, networking things. And, um, and, you know, those were shut down completely for a year and then, uh, and now they're starting to come back, but it's slower. And I, I do feel like I have a, a much better balance in my life than I did pre pandemic. There were weeks where I would be out till seven theater or eight yeah. Monday through Thursday. And that was just normal for my wife and I, we had gotten used to it. It was all good. Uh, but you miss stuff with the kids. And so now I'm doing that one or two nights a week, uh, instead of three or four. And I'm hoping that's sort of the new, um, new normal. Yeah. Life, so. I've noticed that too. I, you know, when I first started in real estate and pre-kids, I was out many nights a week networking, doing different events. I started this networking group, which is actually the same name as the podcast. I've got a networking group called Connect Raleigh. It was called the Raleigh Young Professionals. When I moved here in 2007 and then started real estate in 2008, every real estate coach or trainer I had was like, you got to go join a networking group and pass out business cards. So I started going to all these different networking groups around downtown and I just didn't like any of the ones. Yep. And I felt like there were about 1200 real estate agents in each group and they were just running around passing out business cards. Like, Hey, you want to buy a house? Want to buy a house? Want to buy a house? Want to buy a right, house? Right. And I was like, ah, that feels a little icky to me. That's not how yeah, I like to doesn't operate. Get you anyway. Doesn't. And so, you know, I said, you know what, I'm going to start my own group. And I look, I Googled it. There were no young professional groups at the time. I don't think the chamber had started theirs yet, or at least I missed it if they did did. And so I started the Raleigh Young Professionals and coming from hospitality, coming from bar management, bar ownership, what I saw, this is September of 08, you know, the recession just started. Um, and as it went on, bars and restaurants were 
I mean, they were impacted. I don't remember it being as bad as it is now, but I remember they were being impacted. Right. And so I saw an opportunity. I'm like, okay, let me, I can accomplish three different things here. I can start my own networking group and I can help build my business, right? That was the selfish reason. The second reason was I can help other people that have just moved to town that aren't connected with other people yet. I can leverage my relationships and bring them together and I can create a fun experience for them pulling from my hospitality background. Right. And the third thing was I can support these bars and restaurants downtown and I know that they're struggling. I can, I know Tuesday night at five o'clock or Wednesday night at five o'clock, you've got nobody in there and think back 12, 13 years ago, what downtown looked like. You'd walk into happy hour. didn't really exist. There, right. there was nobody going in. So I'm like, let me go to these places. And I can bring you 20, 30, 40, eventually hundreds of people and everybody can win. And I built my whole business out of that, but it started by trying to support the bars and the restaurants yeah. and keeping the life down here after five o'clock when the workers were done and usually leaving. Yeah. That's awesome. And I love the part about including people who just moved to town and don't have a network. You see people um, get lost all the time um, just because there's, you know, no opportunity to meet new people. And it's just so important for groups like that to, yeah. to just introduce people to three or four people. And then you can sort of get rolling on your own. I agree. But it's just so hard to get going. That's right. And so my goal is to help them with that. And then through the pandemic and pulling back on networking and staying home a little bit more, I started to realize, OK, I still love that. But maybe my hours need to change a little bit. I don't want to be doing it 8 o'clock at night anymore, 9 o'clock at night anymore. I've got two little kids and a wife I want to see and be around. Yeah. And so I started shifting. And so the podcast is one way to help connect people and highlight bars and restaurants and activities and museums and all the things Raleigh has to offer. Do it over this way. Yeah. And I've still got the group on LinkedIn. And so there's lots of virtual things happening. And so my silver lining has changed a little bit in my work-life balance, I think, figuring out where I want to invest my time. Um, and what's most important to me. And I'll tell you, five days in Tulum will help you really prioritize too where you want to invest, invest yeah, your time. Sure. That was, that was nice. But, um, yeah, well, so, I, think, I think the summary is we're getting older. <laughs> yeah, that's a long way of saying this is 47. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what this is. The right? pandemic age. That's it, man. <laughs> so, you know, um, I do have a lot of listeners that don't live here and what I found was as this thing was evolving and each iteration as it came about was this is a tool for people that are moving here from outside of the area to get a feel for the vibe. I mean, that's important. I think like whenever I want to go someplace to visit, going there is important, but hearing from the people that live there, where should I go? What should I do? Those are the things I want to do. Like before I went to Tulum last week, I asked people that had been there, where are the places to go? What do I do? Who do I connect with? And I made friends while I was there because they're like, you know what? I've got a guy. So Sharif that owns Raleigh raw is like, I've got a friend there. He's not even just a guy. He's I got a friend there who's a driver part-time mm. and instead of paying for transportation from the hotel or the airport to the hotel, which is going to be $250, let my buddy do it. Mm. So I connect with him, get to meet him and his fiance and build a relationship with them. We're now chatting on WhatsApp still. So like, I want to know from the people that live there or been there what to do. So say somebody's listening from wherever. I always go to Iowa, I think. Say somebody's listening from Iowa, yeah. and they're like, I'm moving to Raleigh. I've got 72 hours to come check it out. They're just here for a weekend. What are some things, in your opinion, that, um, that they should check out while they're here? Yeah. So, I mean, the biggest one that comes to mind is our park system. Um, we have Umstead Park, which is sort of between Raleigh and Durham, um, which is like a huge, wonderful park with bridle trails and smaller hiking trails. Um, and it, you know, one of the weekend mornings I would go out there for a two hour hike and, and definitely include that. Um, and then the second park is Dick's park. So this is sort of our downtown park, 300 acres. It's been called the best project in a city in the country right now. 
Um, it's getting ready to be renovated um, or redone, and a big portion of it's going to be a huge kids' play area um, with playground equipment. That's not normal playground equipment. It's where you come up, go up one spot and come down, you know, a football field later, and the kids are all over. Um, so, uh, but it, but you can go there now and sort of walk around and get a feel for the scale of it. Um, and then third, the greenways. I mean, we have the best greenway system in the country, um, or at least people have said that, um, partly because, or mostly because 20 or 25 years ago, um, our leaders sort of got together and said, hey, we're going to invest hundreds of millions of dollars on the greenway system, and they've done it. And I think all of us during the pandemic have sort of realized how important that was. And you can literally loop the city on the greenway on a bike, and it takes about two hours, and it's 25 miles, and it's just a wonderful ride. Um, Sounds like a marathon race that you should create. Yeah. Is there yeah. a greenway marathon it's yet? It's a little further, but that's a great idea. Right. Um, that would be, yeah, be fun. That would be fun. Um, and then, you know, I'm a big food person, so we have, um, if you go through the meals during the day, we have some of the best um, bakery pastry shops in town um, and then tell me some of your favorites so you don't have to like make anybody feel bad by saying this is the best place but some tell me some of your yeah, favorites because so I'm a pastry kind of guy yeah my two favorites are layered over on West Street sort of um, past Publix um, you know past. Street. I haven't been in there yet it's amazing okay you have to go um, the owner um, has two young kids she's opening the bakery in the middle of having kids um, and it's just a really cool story, and her product is just blows people away. During the pandemic, I would pull up to get food, and I'd be the 40th car in their curbside pickup. Oh wow! So they're they're doing that well. Okay. And then my um, and then competitive with that is bolted bread. Yeah, sure. Over in boiling, I just love bolted. Um, layered is a little lighter and fluffier, and bolted to me is a little heavier and denser. So it depends on the weather or your mood, uh, mm-hmm. which one I go to. But I love those. Um, for lunch, I'd go to the food halls. You know, we have two great food halls downtown. Transfer um, is my the one I go to, but Morgan Street's great too. Yeah. Um, and then for dinner, you know, I think we have um, sort of the best combo of woman-owned restaurants uh, in downtown Raleigh. We have Chidi at Garland. We have Angela at Centro. We have Caroline at Fiction Kitchen. Of course, we have Ashley Christensen's restaurants. It's really rare for a city to have that many woman-owned restaurants. Um, and those are amazing places. They are. It's yeah. sort of, and like you forget about them sometimes, yeah. like especially Centro and yeah. Fiction Kitchen and whatever. But you know, they're regulars. You know, yeah. forget about. It's them. a minute that I've been to both of those, so I'm glad you just put those back on my yeah. radar. Well, and Centro is just reopening this week. Good. They had been reopening. Okay. They had to shut down for a few weeks, and they're just reopening. Um, so, uh, so yeah. So I would go to one of their places, and then. And then we're also, this is not, you know, pitching my stuff, but we have incredible breweries in Raleigh. I want you to pitch your stuff. Bring and, uh, it. Pitch it. <laughs> so uh, so um, Trophy Brewing is our brewery. Of course, I would recommend to stop there. But Crank Arm Brewing is downtown. Um, and then there are eight or ten others, you know, within three or four miles that are just absolutely wonderful. Okay. So. I appreciate that. And I've got them all on my list. I'm going to tag all these places so everybody can check them out. Great. We'll give them some love and hopefully some people from Iowa that are listening right now can go visit. Yeah. Um, but before we wrap up, I want to touch on one more thing. Now you just opened a, a new venture, new business within this, yep. all this sort of stuff in a, a distillery, right? Yep. Tell us a little bit about that before we go. Yeah. So it's a nano distillery, um, which means tiny. It's not even micro. We are making, <laughs> oh, there, there's nano then micro. Yeah, yeah. All right. So we're making 55 or 60, 60 bottles of gin or vodka at a time. And we can do two batches a week. 
Okay. So it's really small, 50 to, I mean, 100 to 110 bottles a week. Because of that, we are selling out all the time, uh, which is cool. It's yeah. sort of like a marketing thing, even though it's sort of false, you know. Yeah. Um, because all our friends are coming to buy gin and vodka. We attach to the distillery where we're um, making it and selling bottles to go. We have a cocktail bar. Um, we have food. It's sort of elevated bar food. Um, and then we have an event space upstairs with a patio. And so far, we opened um, August 15th, roughly. Um, July 15th, uh, when we were looking at July 15th, August 15th looked like a great um, day, time to open. Uh, and then, you know, by the time we got to August 15th, the Delta variant was sort of um, killing the energy. But um, even now, opening at that time, you know, business has been really good. We've been surprised. Um, What's the name of the place? It's called Young Hearts Distillery. Okay, and where and the, is it? The name, it's on Wilmington Street okay. next to Beasley's. Okay, yeah, Hunter. yeah, okay. And the, um, and the reason for Young Hearts is sort of you're young at heart for a few minutes when you're having a gin and tonic at the end of the day. I like it. Um, and, uh, but business has been good, and we think as the sort of pandemic fades, um, you know, we'll, we'll be in a really good spot to, to crush. So um, appreciate you mentioning that, and, and hopefully it's a new – um, business model for us that'll grow from nano to eventually micro and go from there and, and it'll be a sort of a sister business to trophy brewing i love it man i really appreciate you taking some time to chat with me today yeah well thanks for having me i'm thrilled to be here yeah buddy thanks cool if you've enjoyed this episode please visit us at connectraleigh.com the connect raleigh podcast connects you to the amazing people and places of raleigh north carolina Check out the show notes for more ways to connect with our guests and with Chuck. Be sure to rate this podcast, subscribe to the podcast wherever you're currently listening, share it, and leave us a review. Thank you for connecting with Connect Raleigh.